that we have the house to go to. Amen? Our Father's house. Well, if you're glad to be in church today, give the Lord a hearty amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Good to see you here today. And I encourage you to come out to celebrate recovery. If you are working on an area in your life that is a struggle, we encourage you every Friday night at 6 o'clock, the lobby door area is open. They have a praise and worship service, and they deal with... uh, hang-ups and problems and areas in your life that, are, that create a struggle. And we encourage you to come out and be a part of that fellowship uh, every Friday night. And uh, Howard Schulteis does a wonderful job, and Jen also works with us, and Jen Russell, in a beautiful way. We appreciate that so very much. Come on out here. I'm glad to see you. This guy here has done a great job with Celebrate Recovery. Amen. Appreciate it, man. Why don't you tell him about Hello? it? So uh, I just can't uh, explain. I'm just totally overwhelmed. Our ministry has just been so blessed by God. It is just so successful right now, and it's really due to everybody that has participated. We have such great volunteers. We have excellent food. We have great music. Most of the time, it's really good. We had a wonderful guy last night. Um, who came in from Newark. So we have different faces doing our music. We have different meals before. It's broken up into three areas, Pastor Tim. It's like um, the first part is kind of fellowship and the meal. It's $3 for the meal, and it's always home-cooked and delicious. And then we go into a portion where it's the lesson or it's the uh, um, uh, testimonial uh, there's worship music. We have announcements. It's kind of set up like our, our service yes. right here. It's yes. kind of the same format. And then we break up into small groups. And in the small groups, what we do is just kind of have you know, guidelines that we stick by and, and we uh, kind of express ourselves and, and, and work together to work out our issues. Um, we finish up with dessert, which is my favorite part. <laughs> so we had, uh, we had lemon bars and cake and coffee and everything at the end. It's about a three-hour experience, and, uh, you know, so many dedicated people. I just can't, uh, I, I just, it's just Great. wonderful. I, I'm speechless, Pastor Tim. It's, it's, it's just amazing. It's wonderful. I enjoyed it, too. I tell you what, it's a great experience. Yeah, God's hand is definitely in that. And I, I see a lot of uh, potential in the future as yes. we grow with it. Amen. I appreciate it. Thank you Amen. so much for giving Thank me the you opportunity. So much. I appreciate Pastor the Tim. hard work you do. Thank you. Love you I love Tim. you. I love you, Howard. God love you. Pray for Howard. He's going to Vietnam this week. So pray for him as he travels around the world. You know, goodness, these guys, they, they go everywhere. I'll tell you. Now, let's, uh, let's have a special prayer time for Joel. Joel and Amber, can you guys come back out again? I just felt compelled in my spirit to pray for him today and as he gets ready to undergo uh, the chemo treatments. And uh, I appreciate your prayers for him. Uh, we love him. He's our church family. And uh, I just, I just want to let you know we love you. We're going to pray for you. And uh, we want God to be with you. Love you, Pastor. I love you. I know God will help you. He'll be with us. And Amber, you just are right there, a rock for this good man right here. And chemo is a tough thing to go through. A lot of people here have gone through chemo, and they understand what this is about. And uh, we want, we're just glad this thing is curable. We just want you back strong and healthy. And these folks, this is a praying church. Yeah, it is. Listen, when I was in John Hopkins, this church prayed me right back into the pulpit. <laughs> And I preach four hours now. 
per sermon. Amen? They're like, okay, okay. <laughs> they pray too much. Oh, so would you, would you join with me? Just extend your hand in prayer for him. Just extend your hand toward him, and we're going to pray. Father, in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ, our blessed Lord, our great healer, Lord, we love you. I lift up this wonderful man. Lord, I lift up this wonderful woman, Amber. Lord, I thank you for Joel and Amber. Thank you for the blessing they are to our church and to our family. Thank you what a, a national hero he is, Lord, to really stand in the gap and to go into very tough terrains to fight against terrorism and wickedness and evil places. Father, Lord, this man has given and dedicated so much, and we claim a healing on him in the wonderful name of our Lord. Lord, you said, in your stripes we are healed. And Father, I pray right now in the blessed name of Jesus Christ, under the power and the almighty healing of the Holy Spirit, Lord, I pray that you would begin the healing process right now. Lord, give him strength, supernatural strength to go through the chemo. Lord, cause him to go through it exceptionally well. And now, Father, we'll pray when the treatments are over and the doctor gives the, the great report that he is healed, the cancer is gone, and Father, we'll pray that you would bless these two precious people. Lord, they're your choice servants. Now we ask, Lord, in your blessed name, heal him. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. amen. God bless you. I love Thank you, buddy. You, Pastor. I love you guys. Thank you so much. I appreciate it so very, very much. Well, it's good to be in the house of the Lord. No greater place than to be with you this morning on Sunday morning. And uh, as we think about loving deeply, this is the, the last sermon series uh, on love. In fact, our theme has been entitled, God Love. And uh, we've been speaking uh, this whole month of February about love. In fact, love is a wonderful subject to expound on. Uh, I love the subject of love because it brings peace and unity and emotional wellness to each of us, and it also brings a spiritual wellness to the body of Christ. Now, when it comes to our spiritual healthy life, we, we got to practice the greatest commandment in the Bible, which Jesus said is the number one commandment as believers, and that is to love the Lord thy God with all of our hearts, with all of our minds, and with all of our soul. And nothing touches the heart of God more, nothing, than learning how to express our love to him. How to nurture the kind of love that brings honor and worship to the one that we esteem most in our life. In fact, how can we internalize that wonderful scripture in Matthew 22:37 that tells us it's a command of God to love the Lord thy God with all our hearts, our souls, and our mind. And what does that love look like? What does it mean when it says to love the Lord with all your heart? with all of your mind and with all of your soul. What does that look like? How can we challenge ourselves to cultivate that kind of love, that love that Jesus commands us to obey? 
For some people, when we talk about loving God, it seems like an abstract thing because we can't handle Jesus. We don't see him physically. We see, his, we see him by faith in the scriptures. We see him in the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But, but somehow it seems remote for us, a little bit distant. How can I love the Lord with all my heart and all my soul? How do we develop this kind of deep love like a woman that we're going to read about in our text this morning. In fact, the Bible gives us a profile of a woman in Mark chapter 14 who had a devout love for Jesus Christ. In fact, Mark chapter 14, Mark talks about this dinner party that, that this Simon the leper, a man who was cleansed by Jesus, decided to have a celebration dinner, celebrating the, the healing work of Jesus. And he invited some of the guys to come along, and, and Jesus was there, and the house was packed full. And the Bible tells us that this woman kind of breaks into this party, and she takes this bottle of perfume, spike nerve, and it was expensive, and she walks in, and she breaks this alabaster box, and she pours all of this expensive, sweet-smelling perfume into the scalp and into the head of Jesus, and the whole place was filled with a sweet aroma. In fact, this woman had a devout love for Christ, and we are moved to see how she courageously overcame every obstacle to demonstrate her natural and authentic love for Christ. Because of this timely, natural outbreak of true love, this woman went down in history as one of the most profound people who has learned the significance of knowing how to love God. I thought to myself, Jesus said, whenever the gospel is preached, this, the subject of this woman's act of devotion will parallel with the message of the gospel. This woman touched Jesus greatly. So we have this historic story in, the Bible, story in the Bible, this pattern for us to follow and when it comes to loving God deeply in the 21st century. I think there's not a person here today that, that has not come to the place to realize that they need to do more to show a love for God. I think everyone that is here that is listening to me speak this morning would, in your heart, would have a desire to show a great love for the Lord. But there's this, this picture of this woman pouring all of this expensive oil over the head of Jesus, but we see a contrast. We see the whole story develop in Mark chapter 14. We see a contrast in the story of the Lord's disciples who were, who were good men. They were dependable men, practical men. They were busy men, busy, very, very busy in helping the Lord. But, but we see the contrast of their busyness of service, and we see this woman who pulls out all the stops, and she honors Jesus with everything she has while she has the time to demonstrate her gratitude and love and worship to the one that she adores. You see, there was a tension that filled the air. It left a pretty dramatic back, backdrop to the story. You see, because it was in the air 
that there was an animosity growing toward Jesus Christ. In just a few days, he would be handed over to the enemy and he'd be crucified. There was this conspiracy brewing in the religious community. A hatred and a jealousy had reared its head against the work and the proclamation of Jesus Christ as the Messiah. And in the middle of all of this tension, in the middle of this brewing storm that was coming, the disciples seemed to be indifferent and insensitive to the Holy Spirit and this coming storm. While this woman comprehended the climate of her, of her culture and the soon coming persecution of Christ, she knew her time was short if she was going to honor and demonstrate her love to the very one that would soon be put to death in a horrible crucifixion. In fact, Mark chapter 14, verse 1, right off the bat, the Bible says, the leading priests and the teachers of religious law were still looking for an opportunity to capture Jesus and to secretly kill him. That was the tension. Now, we can't be too hard on the disciples because we're living in the Laodicean church age where there is a lukewarm spirit that prevails in the body of Christ. And many times we are numb by the tension of living in the end days. We are easily caught up with mechanical mission of the ministry without experiencing a passionate love for Jesus Christ. And this morning I want to put a spotlight on this woman who doesn't have a name. The Bible doesn't give her name because what... The name was irrelevant. It was the fact that her actions really played a big part in the life and the heart of Jesus. I, I want us to emulate the life of this woman to show us how we can love the Lord with all of our hearts and with all of our soul. There are four examples I want to give you. Number one, loving deeply begins with intense sacrifice. Loving deeply begins with intense sacrifice. The Bible says in Mark 14, verse 3, a woman came in with a beautiful alabaster jar of expensive perfume made from the essence of nard or spikenard. I like that little phrase, what the Bible says, a woman came in. Now, we should take note that this woman breaks up this dinner party by inviting herself into this dinner event, by breaking the, the barriers of tradition. Back in those Eastern days, women were not allowed to mix with men and men didn't mix with women. They were separate. But this woman decides that her love for Jesus Christ was so great that she didn't mind breaking the rules. In fact, she risked it all by breaking through traditional barriers just for the opportunity to get into the presence of Jesus to honor him. The Bible says this woman came in. She came in. She came in unannounced. She came in courageously. She came in without fear. She came in passionately. She came in intentionally to give everything that she possessed, to lavish him with adoration and affection. I like how the Bible says this. A woman came in. She invited herself into the presence of Christ. I think that really impressed Jesus. Here's a woman that said, I'm not going to let my culture keep me away from him. As she barges into this dinner party, she's carrying something extremely valuable. 
Every eye immediately went from her to what she was holding between her hands. It was something valuable, something rich, something precious, something very costly. And whenever a man saw an alabaster box, they knew that that, that type of stone was, was carved out and created to, to be a vessel to hold the essence of this perfume in a very delicate manner. In fact, when, when anything precious and valuable was placed in this alabaster box, it was so sealed tight that that perfume would last for years and years without losing its, its power and its strength. So this woman walks in with this alabaster box, a, a box made of precious stone that would keep the rich and the distinct quality of this perfume sealed in this vessel. This alabaster box preserved everything inside its vessel. She not only came in unannounced, she came in with a costly gift. It was a gift of perfume. It was a very expensive perfume. In fact, it is equal to forty dollars to $50,000 today. It was obviously this lady's life savings. She knew this oil and perfume was valuable. She knew that it was all that she possessed, but nothing could equal the value that Jesus Christ had poured into her life. As the men watched this woman break through their dinner party, she goes right over to Jesus. And the Bible says she takes this alabaster box, she breaks it open and pours this valuable, valuable perfume over the head of Jesus. You see, she was basically telling the Lord, I was once a sinner stained with sin, worthless, rejected, passed on from one abuser to the next, kicked, spat, thrown to the curb, hated, despised, and rejected because of her past sin. And she knew the fires of hell was the only place left for her. Here's a lady that was in a place that she had no hope, no chance of ever being forgiven, ever to be accepted by the community. She had gone too far. She had gone too far even to be loved. She was a despicable outcast of the community until the day she was walking down the road and she met Jesus Christ. Jesus looked down into her eyes. He felt her pain. And with his sovereign power and with his compassionate love, he forgave her of all of her sins. And then he did something amazing. He washed her soul with the power and the blood of Jesus. He then declared her holy, pure, fully restored by the authority of his Godhead. That's what Jesus did for her. He lifted her out of her miry clay. He lifted her to a place of high esteem. Now she was no longer a prostitute, no longer a sinner, but now she stands forgiven. She's a child of God. She's a child of the King. She's a child of the family of God. She has been restored, reclaimed, and redeemed by the blood of Jesus. And the depth of her sin called out for the greatness of God's grace. And wherever sin abounds, grace doth much more abound. Praise his name. Amen. And because of her comprehension of the forgiveness 
of her sins. And because she found that she was forgiven, she began to be filled with thankfulness and praise for what Christ has done. And now she responds with the sacrifice of praise. And her deep love to Jesus moves her to pour over the head of Jesus everything that she possesses. In fact, that little room where that party was taking place fills the room with an aroma of love, an aroma of worship, and it was an aroma of thanksgiving. She knew what she was doing. She knew how much it cost, but she didn't care. In fact, she was happy about it. She seized the moment and demonstrated the highest level of sacrifice to reflect the greatest sacrifice Jesus took by redeeming her into his family. And then we think about another aspect of love, and that is loving deeply is magnified around indifference. Mark 14, 3 says, while he was eating, a woman came in with a beautiful alabaster jar of expensive perfume made from the essence of nard. She broke open the jar and poured the perfume over his head. And then Mark 14, 4 and 5 says, some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, hi, why was the waste of perfume. It could have been sold for more than a year's wage and the money given to the poor. And the Bible says that they jumped up and they rebuked her harshly. What are you doing? Spending thousands of dollars over the scalp of a man's head. What are you doing? Wasting. We could have used that money to feed the poor. What are you doing? Showing that kind of expensive devotion to a rabbi, to Jesus. Here we see a sharp contrast between the indifference of the disciples and the passionate love of this forgiven woman. My friends, this in the Bible is a dramatic scene of love. The indifferent disciples became so conditioned with the practical works of ministry, they almost missed one of the greatest and the most purest moments of love ever demonstrated on earth. And that was this woman that touched the heart of God deeply. Here is a warning from the Holy Spirit to you and I this morning. There's a danger of being so practical-minded with the work of ministry that we miss the whole point of the spontaneity of naturally loving God. God loves it when we do things to serve him. But may I say to you, nothing ever should replace our passionate love for Jesus. The disciples were so ho-hum with the presence of Jesus. It was business as usual, ministry as usual. They were perfectly content to have a casual dinner with Jesus as they were sitting around dipping their food and spices They were perfectly content to have a a dinner with Jesus instead of holding a vibrant praise service for the one in just a few days would spill his body out as a broken sacrifice for their sins so they can get to heaven and enjoy the kingdom of God. You see, a vibrant love for God breaks out when a soul comprehends what Jesus really did for us on the cross. 
Nothing is so amazing and so filled with awe that when a man, a sinful man, can come into the presence of God in our sinful state, all because Jesus Christ is the only mediator between God and man. Jesus Christ is the one that washes our sin and makes us acceptable in his presence. A vibrant love for God breaks out when a soul comprehends. People stop at nothing to express their heartfelt joy from saving them from the eternal flames of hell and birthing them into the kingdom of God when they stop and consider if it had not been for Christ, we would be most men miserable. If it wasn't for Jesus Christ, we would all be going to hell this morning. There would be no need for me to get up and preach. There would be no reason to sing songs of salvation, no songs about grace. There's no reason to sing anywhere because had it not been for Jesus, we would be condemned to an eternal hell. But God, because of his great love for us, knew that you and I could not get to heaven. He knew we were condemned in our state, and he knew that he himself would have to bear our sins in his body on the cross, and he would become sin so that we could have the righteousness of God. Praise his name. People that comprehend, people that comprehend had it not been for Christ, It would be hell in our destiny. The intensity of love is extremely unusual in this story. And most unusual things are criticized. This kind of loving devotion was not within the ordinary range of acceptable behavior. Many called her eccentric. She's out of her mind. She just dumped $40,000 on the head of a man. How foolish. Society says, keep your emotions in check. Society criticized her, saying, how silly and nonsensical. Society says, slow up, sister. Oh, moderation is in order here. But the woman was not moderate. Society says this devotion is all wrong, but Jesus says she's better than all of you. You see, loving deeply is never afraid to express itself in the face of harsh criticism. There are so many people that want to shout and praise the Lord, but they're so afraid what someone will say. He's a fanatic. Look at him. He raises his hands. He he praises the Lord. How fanatic. You know, loving deeply is never afraid to express itself in the face of harsh criticism or the sharp disapproval of men. Loving deeply knows how to focus on the one who is worthy, then praise him without any reservation. Oh, what would it be like if we would come to church and throw off our inhibitions and just praise him, worship him for all that he has done for us? If we could spend five minutes in hell, and if we could roll over the flames of hell, and if all we could experience the hand of Jesus, 
scooping up us out of the hell itself and putting us on Mount Zion to enjoy the fresh air of heaven, to enjoy the beauty of the angels of God, to, to find the, the, the union of the saints. Oh, if we could experience that kind of relief from hell to heaven, we would rejoice. We would rejoice. Mm. This woman walked right into the middle of this dinner and just loved on Jesus in the presence of others without holding anything back. The contrast was sharp and the disciples took an issue with this woman. The Bible says they became indignant, criticized. Sometimes in the house of God, some of the most critical, cold-hearted people you'll find are in churches. Churches need to be free from any kind of judgment. When it comes time to praise and to worship the Lord, they should be free of judgment anytime, period. Amen? But especially when it comes in praise. Mark 14, 6 and 7, but Jesus saw these guys coming around her. What did you just do? You just dumped $40,000 on the scalp of a man. Look what you've done. We could use that money to feed the poor. Jesus watches these critics coming after this woman. And Jesus says, leave her alone. And they pulled back. Verse 6 and 7, Jesus replied, leave her alone. Why criticize her for doing such a good thing to me? You will always have the poor among you, and you can help them whenever you want, but you will not always have me. Even though the disciples were upset with her for her wasteful act, Jesus was touched by the fact she refused to stop worshiping because of the loud complaint of his followers. She loved and worshiped God no matter how loud they cried against her. Jesus is teaching us an important principle in this story. Even though it's a noble thing to want to feed the hungry and help the poor, no act of charity should ever take priority over our time and devotion. That should be first given to Jesus Christ. Remember this. Spectators in the church will always view Jesus from a stoic, practical level instead of breaking out with an impulse of emotional joy. I saw a bumper sticker that said, isn't it amazing how we label a person a fanatic who always is more devoted to God than we are? Until we change the posture of our heart, extravagant, loving, expressive worship will always seem like an overkill or even a gaudy display of affection or emotions. You see, until we change the posture of our heart, things will never change 
If worship is to be genuine for you, you just got to get past the opinions of people and worship him with a heart of praise. And may I say to you, for what he did for us on the cross of Calvary, the agony and the pain, they ripped the man's body apart. They nailed him, impaled him to wood, stripped him naked in front of, the, in front of society, and they laughed him to scorn. And then the greatest thing came upon him. The sins of all mankind, your sins, my sins, the sins of men of of yesterday, the men of today, and the sins of tomorrow. God took all of the sins of man, all of the filthy thoughts and the filthy deeds and filthy words, and he placed it on his son. And Jesus bore our sins on the cross. He bore it all. Give him praise. This woman walks into the room and said, There's the man that took my sin away. I was once bound for hell, but this man washed me and made me whole. This man loved me when other men abused me. This man loved me while other men threw me to the curb. This man loved me, and I'm going to give him everything that I possess. I love this Man called Jesus. Mm. You see, loving deeply, thirdly, is a beautiful fragrance. Verse 6 says, but Jesus replied, leave her alone. Why criticize her for doing such a good thing to me? You will always have the poor with you. You can help them whenever you want to, but you will not always have me. She has done what she could and has anointed my body for burial ahead of time. Nothing smells sweeter than a church full of people who love Jesus, who just love him. Say, well, I don't love people. Well, get over people. People didn't die for your sins. Jesus did. After she poured out her perfume, the room was filled with beauty and fragrance. Can you imagine a stinky room of men? (laughs) And now all of a sudden, the sweetness, the fragrance of this perfume, the sweet smell reflected the spiritual condition of this woman's heart. I love this man. The sweetness of this odor reflected her authentic love for Jesus. You see, the atmosphere of this room changed because of the expressive love of this one brave woman. One person can make a radical change in a church if they're courageous enough to break out and love him. (laughs) But the disciples objected to her extravagance. This was just too much of a good thing. Way too much, ridiculous, wasteful, ah, even sinful. But Jesus cries out, leave her alone. Leave her alone. What she has done is a good and beautiful thing. It's a good thing that defies monetary investment. The disciples wanted the money to be put to good use for something practical. It was the ordinary thing to do, the normal thing to do, the respectable thing to do. 
But practical usefulness is not always the important thing in the universe. Usefulness is not our God. Efficiency is not our God. Public opinion surely is not our God. Jesus is our God, and it's useful. It is useful to use our tithes and our offerings and abundance offerings to pour it upon the head of Jesus to glorify him. This woman act of extravagant waste pictured the sacrifice Jesus in a way that words could not. It was extravagant, and that is part of its beauty because God is extravagant. God gave us an extravagant gift in the person of Jesus. It's an outrageous gift worth far more than what we deserve. And in my life, I've had some wonderful gifts. I've had some wonderful gifts, but there's no greater gift. No greater gift than my sins washed away. There's no greater gift to know that I was taken from the miry pit. No greater gift to know that once I was headed to hell forever to live in a place of darkness chained to the walls and the bondage of sin and destruction with all the demons of hell. I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, so deeply stained within, seeking never to rise again. But the master of the sea heard my despairing cry. And from the waters he lifted me, now safe, safe am I. Oh, my friend, the greatest gift, the greatest gift that you have today is you're going to heaven, you're going to see Jesus. You're going to dwell with God forever. You're going to dwell with the saints of old. You're going to dwell with the saints of new. You're going to bask in the glory of Jesus' sunshine, the beauty of his kingdom. This woman was dialed in. She sensed that Jesus was about to do something outrageous. Her instinct was moved by the Holy Spirit that Jesus was about ready to take on a mission that would change the world forever. And the Holy Spirit, I'm sure, prompted her, anoint him with oil. The anointing of oil is what they usually do for kings. And by her dumping out all that she had over the precious head of Jesus, she was saying to this room, to the world, he is king. The anointing of this oil was basically protect my king because he's going into the jaws of death. Honor him. May this oil anoint him with strength to fulfill the mission in which he was about ready to accomplish. And that was to bear the sins of the world. Glorify him, praise him, 
in a world that uses the name of God in vain, in a, in a world that, that proudly slanders the character and the marvelous name of Jesus. They, they do everything they can to bash those who are followers of Jesus. But I'm here to tell you today, he is king of king and he's Lord of lords. And we're going through some junk right now, but I'm here to tell you, the king is coming and he's coming with a rod of iron and he will rule with righteousness in this great land. Give the Lord the praise in the house of God. Let the church praise his name. Give him glory. And let the world hear it. I'm not ashamed to tell the world that I'm a Christian, a follower of Jesus. And then number four, and then I'm through. And all God's people said, God bless us, help us. Number four, loving deeply involves brokenness. Mark 14, 3, she broke open the jar and poured the perfume over his head. She broke open the jar. It's significant that the Bible says she broke it. You see, genuine worship will never happen until we break the jar of what we have and what we value and then pour it over the one we cherish most in life. She broke the jar and poured everything over Jesus, she broke it. And because she broke it, she had to pour it all out. She didn't pop off the lid and come out with a little measuring spoon and measure out a few drops, rationing drops of perfume over the head of Jesus. After all, we got to be practical. You see, loving deeply demands breaking the box that contains the very things that we value most in life and then just Recklessly pouring it all on the head of Jesus. <laughs> you see why God put this story in the Bible? Because he wants us to know something about what it's really like to love him. With all of our mind, our hearts, and our soul. This, this woman was probably saving this expensive perfume for her retirement one day. <laughs> yeah. She took everything that she owned, and she broke the very valuable box that held her financial security, and she just recklessly just broke it and just let it all go. Let it all go. It just warm oil, profusely dropping over his shoulders, down his beard, on his garments. She broke the jar. She didn't carefully measure out 10% and keep the rest for herself. <laughs> Not this one. She broke the jar. By breaking the jar, it forced her to give every drop of her expensive perfume to Jesus. There was no going back after she broke the jar. There was no chance to rethink or any chance to recoup the remains. No chance to go see a counselor. She broke the jar and then she gave it all. But she gave no thought to that. Love never does. It's extravagant. She broke it and there was not a drop left in the alabaster box. What am I saying? We need to worship Jesus the same way this woman did with a supreme focus on him. 
a single-minded love that counts everything else, loss for Jesus Christ. A love that does not ask, how little can we do to get by? A love that is not worried about what people think. A love that no longer concerns about the boundaries of normal devotion. A love that is willing to be extravagant. You see, when this woman poured perfume on Jesus, she pictured what Jesus did for us on the cross because he broke his box, his body. So we might enjoy the perfume of grace poured over our souls. She only mirrored back what Jesus did for her. You see, the example this woman tells us that we are too, that we are too reserved. He deserves so much praise. We are too, too reserved. Guarantee you heaven's a place. When you get to heaven, you're going to be shocked because you're going to walk into electric praise. (laughs) Heaven is, the devil doesn't have any influence of shutting down praise in heaven. Wherever you go, the saints will be singing. The angels are glorifying God. You're going to be walking around in awe because it's in a constant state of perpetual praise. The four created angels that have different heads that that continually hold their wings and says, holy, holy, holy is the one who died. Holy, holy is the one that was slain before the foundation of the world, but now lives as king of kings and lord of lords. Holy, holy, holy is he, Jesus, the king of glory. Praise is perpetual. <laughs> we're too concerned what others think. We're, we're not loving Jesus as we ought. We're too concerned with ourselves. We need to think more about our actions. We need to think about our gifts. We need to think, Lord, help me. Help me to love like this woman. Why did God put that story in there? (laughs) Because Jesus said, whenever the gospel is preached, I want to use this lady's life in that little snapshot of time. That's the kind of love, extravagant love, that touched the heart of God. This morning, Don't forget where you came from. You are a sinner headed for hell just like me. And it was God's grace that was extended to you. He stopped you on your road of Damascus. He shed light either through the preaching of the word or through the conviction of the Holy Spirit. He revealed himself to you. He removed your scales of blindness. He gave you faith that you would trust him. And with your mouth, you confessed him as Lord and Savior. And immediately, you were quickened, transformed, renewed, redeemed, birthed, translated into the kingdom of God's dear son. You're saved and on your way to heaven. All because of Jesus. Jesus said, 
to you and to me, love me like that. Love me. Let the church ring out praise. Say, well, that's not me. It will be you when you get on the other side. And I want to be there when I see you be that lady or be that man of praise. Won't that be a happy time? Extravagant. If you're here today (laughs) and you're saying, preacher, I don't know if I died today. I don't know if my sin is covered. I say to you, there is no other door. There's no other entrance into the kingdom of God except through Jesus Christ. There's only one way to heaven, and that is through Christ. You say, what do I got to do? You don't have enough money to buy it. You don't have enough good works to earn it. You got to come to Jesus just the way you are, in your rags of sin, in your stains of sin. Call upon him and say, Lord, have mercy upon me. I call upon you. Wash me. Cleanse me. Accept me. And the moment you pray that prayer in your heart, God will bring you right into the kingdom of heaven. Let's pray. With every head bowed.